welcome to So Wizards, a Boats Forever podcast by Kevin Broom. I am Kevin Broom, and I'm joined today by longtime friend and podcast partner Ben Becker for a conversation about the Wizards' uh, somewhat tumultuous offseason and their relatively puzzling moves. Uh, if it feels like we're starting in the middle of a conversation, it's because we kind of were. Uh, ben and I... <laughs> Spent time doing what old friends do, which is catching up on kids and family and pandemic and politics and probably some other stuff, too. And uh, we sort of flowed seamlessly into talking wizards, and uh, I had to kind of figure out where to where to start us when I edited. So a little bit rough on the beginning. But anyway, um, there's also a kind of rough cut in the middle that you may you'll probably notice, and that's because technology being what it is, uh, our call dropped. So at any rate, um, we spend a lot of time talking about Robin Lopez and what he may or may not bring to the Wizards, why they may have signed him. We talked a lot about John Wall's trade request and um, what that means for the Wizards and their, their strategy or lack thereof in terms of building a roster. So at any rate, I uh, hope you enjoy uh, this podcast, and uh, without further ado, let's get into the show. You know, there was there was a time during all of this when uh, throwing a temper tantrum on Twitter about the Wizards didn't seem possible, <laughs> and so now, like. Uh, it's very possible and it's fun and it's, and, and I, and I think lots of others are able to lose themselves in the distraction, which is ultimately what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, is there a lot to, um, to, to be, to, to just throw your hands up at the air and say, what the hell are they doing about yeah. Lopez led the league in defensive box outs for 48 minutes last year. Okay. He was fourth in rim protection. What does that mean? Opposing, opposing field goal percentage at the rim? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, one was Giannis. Two was two. Probably Rui or Mo Wagner, right? Uh, Zubac. Okay. Yeah, Rui. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, three was Brooke Lopez. Four was Robin Lopez. So you've got three, four, three of the top four are Milwaukee Bucks. And like, as you go down the list, like there's like another Bucks player on there. I did a dive on, on Robin Lopez trying to understand like why they did this. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes down, I think to three stats. So you'll, you'll crack up at number five. You, you will never in a million years guess who number five was. Think of like the most ridiculous player you could think of. Lou Williams. <laughs> okay. It, it's not Lou Williams, but that's the right ballpark. The, the number five. J.J. Reddick. No, Jared Dudley. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and then, so even the, and I'm going to write about this, but even like the defensive box out stuff is highly questionable because they have a bunch of players that um, when you look at box out percentage, they, they have a, 
a lot of players with a 100% defensive box out percentage. And so it's like, am I really to believe that Lou Williams boxed out defensively every single time an opponent (laughs) shot went up, right? Every time, every single time, really? I mean, Kawhi, I could almost believe it because he's a robot. But Lou Williams, I mean, and Kawhi played like, what, 1,900 minutes last year. And he didn't miss a single box out. Not once did he just sort of stand there and go, oh, I'm tired. Not, not even once. So I'm a, I'm a little skeptical of some of these tracking stats. So, and then the other one is defensive field goal percentage, um, where he's, you know, among the top in terms of like, quote unquote, changing opponent field goal percentage. He, you know, the opponent shot like 47% against him or it shot like 47.4% generally and then like 43% when he when he was defending. So how do you just out of curiosity how do you square that with um the like what does the defense part of PPA say about him? Not good. And actually so, that and but and see here's the thing is that's actually what the on off numbers say as well. I mean, when, cause that's another thing that I looked at because I was, I thought that I would find something there and, you know, over the last five years, this is not looking like at adjusted stuff, but last five seasons combined, we're talking about his team defensive rating was half a point per hundred possessions better when he was on the floor. So in other words, his, his impact defensive impact, has been very negligible. And that includes uh, two seasons in Chicago where he was, uh, they were four points better in 2017, 18, and they were almost three points better in 2018, 19. Last season, the Bucks were two and a half points worse for 100 possessions defensively when he was on the floor. How probably, much because that... he, probably because he didn't get to play much with Giannis. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, so, so is that potentially promising? Like, is, is there some stuff maybe hidden in those numbers to say that, like... No. Um, so, I don't think so. And he, here's why. Um, so, okay. Looking at, again, this is over the last five years. He has a modest positive effect on defensive rebounding percentage. It looks like his teams have averaged plus one and a half percent defensive rebounding. Um, their steal percentage has fallen by 1.1%. Blocks go up by four-tenths of a percent. Defensive effective field goal percentage goes down by 0.003. So So nothing. Yeah, change. And turnovers go down by, turnover percentage goes down by 1.8%. So his defensive box plus minus over those five seasons is negative 0.8. I haven't pulled up, you know, PIPM yet, but I'm, I'm, I've, I've looked at it previously. Well, the tweet I know says, that it's negative. Yeah. But like Jacob Goldstein's tweet, bottom 10 in bubble players by PIPM uh, yeah. so far this season. And he was, um, and, and he, and he's one, two, three, four, five, sixth worst out of all the players in the bubble. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're season long. So I mean, I know that like with ESPN's RPM, you know, which is a good adjusted plus minus stat that, um, 
they were, I mean, he was what I think, I think I said originally 62nd. And then I looked back and I think he was actually 57th, but whatever the point is, he was like 57 out of like 66 centers this season. So I, this is one of those things where they, it's, it's like that puzzle, but whoa, well, we, we need rim protection. So we, let's get a guy who protects the rim. And it's like, but does he have a positive defensive impact overall, which yeah. is what matters? And no, he does not. So, um, you know, if they had signed him for the minimum or yeah. 3 million bucks or something like that, like, okay. But when you have all these other glaring needs to give him, you know, 80% of the mid-level is insane. Basically what they had there at their disposal from a free agency standpoint was the mid-level. And they mm-hmm. said, we're going to use 80% of that on a one-year deal for Robin Lopez. Um, when uh, 23-year-old Derek Jones signed a one-and-one one for the for the full MLE with um, with Portland, when Jay Crowder got three years of the MLE from Phoenix, uh, and and this is a team, by the way, without a starting small forward, um, presumably right now, or I mean, obviously someone will start at small forward. Right. But they don't have a big wing who is a real win. Um, yeah. Unless you want to count their, their 19 year old recently drafted, um, you know, 56% from the foul line um, uh, rookie. Right. And I mean, Nerlens Noel signed for 5 million. It's, it's, it, I'm, continued to be puzzled. I mean, I think it, it comes down to like that, that fixating on like a couple of two or three stats, right. Two or three, like kind of niche derived, you know, stats is, is not the way to, or even like two or three specific skills is not the way to build a team. And I know that, that people like to talk about fit and all that kind of stuff. And I do it sometimes too, but I, I think, Putting together a team because you have to take, we've talked about this a billion times. You have to take the whole player. You can't just say, okay, well, we're going to add Robin Lopez's rim protection and his boxing out because then you also have to take the fact that he's a huge drag on the offense, that he doesn't move very well, that, you know, you have to take all of that. It's the same thing with like Thomas Bryant. You can't just say, well, we're going to keep Thomas Bryant's shooting because he's a really good shooter and finisher. It's like you also have to take his defense. You also have to take the, you know, irrational exuberance that he plays with. You have to take the emotion. I love his I love his irrational exuberance. So, sure. and and by the way, there are degrees of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, talking about the Bertans signing, like if if you were to say you have to take the good with the bad, and um, you know, Bertans principally what he provides is shooting but he's such a good shooter and he's such a unusual if not unique shooter that you know this is an overused nba cliche but i but he really does bend the geometry of the defense Mm -hmm. such that um you know he, he may have deficiencies in other areas of his game but but his his strength is so Mm -hmm. strong Right, high school English teacher would love that. Um, that uh, that it's worth it. Yeah, and 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 in a vacuum, I 
I don't really have a, a, a problem with his deal. Obviously, it would be it would be nice to have gotten him for less. It, as you say, it changes the geometry of the game, and that was very measurable. You know, they he showed up as a big positive for the Wizards. The Wizards were a lot better on offense when he was on the floor. When he and Beal were on the floor, they were an elite offense. When he, Beal, and Bryant were on the floor together, they were an elite offense. I mean, we're talking about offensive rating in the 120s versus a league average of about 110. So that shows up. And then, you know, the defense was a little worse when Bertans was out there, but not to the point of, you know, not even close to how much he helped the offense improve because teams freak out with shooting. And his shooting is especially unique because it's the range is so limitless. Right. He's, he can pull up from 38 feet and knock it down and that's a good shot for him. So, well, and, and that's why, so, you know, you look at a guy like Corver who has had, who's, who's at the end of his rope, but he's, how old's Kyle Corver? 36? I think he's, yeah, 36, 37, something like that. You know, who's had a, um, a very long career of being, uh, effective as a super accurate distance shooter mm-hmm. reddick is still going strong and you know reddick's six four and corver's six six mm-hmm. um uh, you know the the fact that he's in their class from an accuracy standpoint he's probably got more range than both of them mm-hmm. and he's so big there's probably a connection between the two frankly because he can he can see the rim it, you know the the highlight clips were going around after after he resigned and and I, I think I tweeted a commentary on a video where it's just like it's an end of the shot clock situation and he's five feet beyond the mm-hmm. arc but you know his defenders uh, not up on him but his defenders guarding him but because he's 610 he can get a good look at the rim and he pulls it and, yeah and and he makes it and so that's why like that's that's a great tool as I said sure would it have been great to have gotten him for 12 million or um, whatever, sure, but but the market is the market. I I think in this case, going l- longer is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it it makes his contract more valuable to the extent that he's part of a trade at some point. They, they um, bought Bertans in bulk. <laughs> yeah, there you go. At the and, discount. And, and and this is part of you know why I want to put my head through a window. Um, but it's like the Bertans story is a very successful one. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were opportunity, you know, opportunistic, got him for essentially free, figured out, uh, you know, they unleashed him um, and, and locked him up long-term. And that's a success story. But when in, in a cap constrained system, you've got to win on the margins, right? And the wizards have to win on the margins because they have Wall's insane contract. Mm-hmm. They have Wall and Beal, you know, signed for $75, 80000000 million. And so they have to get everything else right, which mm-hmm. means they have to nail the draft and they have to nail free agency. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you sign Ish Smith for $6 bucks a year, which he's not worth. Shabazz Napier was better. They've just signed Raul Neto, who's better. Um and, uh, I, well, no, I, I got to stop you there. Ish is better than, uh, than, than Neto. Um, Napier was probably a little bit better. Um, but I think the point here is that they could have gotten 
Ish Smith for a lot less, I would think. And th- they should have gotten him for a lot less considering he, he was, you know, basically coming off of a replacement level kind of season. And so, you know, he, he's been about league average. He was about average last season. I mean, he, he's, he's a solid player. It was a good pickup for them in terms of his on-court production. In terms of his salary, that's that's where the issue is and the contract they gave him. And it's I, I don't know why. They just seem to have a difficulty valuing players. But, no, Ish is better than Raul Neto. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I, you know, you don't have to bore me with it now, but <laughs> I'd love for you to show your work on that just because it's the stuff I looked at. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, I, I saw kind of last year and over the li- lives of their o- over their careers. Uh, I, I didn't see anything that indicated that Ish was markedly better. Obviously, he's a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, but again, it's just sort of like uh, he he's they, they just use the the minimum on on Neto. Mm-hmm. When they've got Wall, uh, Ish, and I don't know, did like do you do you think that Cassius Winston's going to play? No. Do you do you think they think he's going to play? No, I I mean I think when you look at a fifty third pick in the draft, that they're yeah. a long shot to even make the team. Yeah, so I'm sure that they like Cassius Winston. He had a, a very nice college career, and you never know. I mean, sometimes those guys you know, come in and just figure it out and they become really good NBA players. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's small and apparently not super quick and not super fast and not a great leaper. And so those guys, a lot of times are going to have problems in the NBA. And But sometimes they become Kyle Lowry, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say that, that uh, Winston would probably need to put on like 30, 40 pounds of muscle to uh, get to the Kyle Ladder, Lowry size. Uh, it sucks that you threw in uh, the muscle part because I'm like, I'm working my way there over this pandemic. Yeah. Um, but um, should we sh- should we talk about John Wall? <laughs> yeah, we should. I mean, that's the um, someone should that, that. I mean, John Wall lost a grenade into the uh, into the off season. Uh, on the so, first day of free agency. So Friday, <laughs> Friday night was one of the most memorable Wizards Twitter nights since, um, you know, the Peter Vesey gun gate. Um, uh, so the, the timeline was, you know, free agency signing start. Uh, the Wizards had were had met with, Berton starting at six. People are waiting, waiting, waiting. Signings from other teams are getting announced. And then finally, the Berton's signing gets announced that, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've lost all sense of time in, in the pandemic. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, some mid-late evening, yeah. I don't know, Berton's gets announced around 8.30, 9 o'clock, maybe 9.30, and everyone's and, – and, Everyone's excited on Twitter. Wizard fans are excited on Twitter, and they're thinking, "Okay, you know what's what's next? What can, what can we get with the mid level? Can we get a wing? Can we get a you know? Can we pull off Serge Ibaka? Yeah. Can we, you know?" And then the the Shams Charania Charania tweet about Wall wanting out, 
and Wizards Twitter just explodes. Yes. It, you know, it was it was the so Wizardsist of so Wizards moments. Charlie Brown and the football, like we're happy for five yeah. minutes, and then all of a sudden, just John Wall wants out. It, look, here is. I think an enormously important caveat for this conversation. And that is we don't know what, what we don't know, but you know, we don't know if the gang signs video that was circulated is the totality of what the, um, the organization was upset about. We don't know if that's the totality of what was recorded. Um, even though that's the totality of what was released uh, we don't know, but, but all we know is that between that video and the subsequent fallout and Tommy going on, um, Zach Lowe's podcast and Kevin Sheehan's radio show and saying nice things about Bradley Beal and that he was upset about, um, John Wall, but had moved on and the, and this rumor leaking out that they had, talked to um houston about some swap involving westbrook but there was no traction between all of that together um then we get this report that wall yeah. wants out and it's just like here's what the thing i my feeling like when i heard that was you know damn i guess what tommy said was pretty bad because i hadn't listened to like the low post yet and then i listened to it uh what yesterday while i was well, yesterday being Saturday, <laughs> while I was doing some, you know, project around the house and stuff. And I, I was really st- stunned that anybody could could be offended by that. Because so he, to, just to read, I, I encourage everyone, go, go find the Zach Lowe, go search for the low post and listen to the half hour that Tommy is on there. And I mean, I think it's it just takes it to all new levels of petty if you if you can get offended by it, here's what, I mean, here's what happened is Lowe asked, was asking Tommy a question about whether or not the wizards would trade Bradley Beal. And Tommy answered in the context of that saying, we're building around Beal. We don't want to trade him. That was his message. It wasn't, we're building exclusively around Beal. It was, we are building around Beal. We're not trading him. That's why we're not trading him. Right. And then as part of that answer, he actually pivoted to talking about John Wall and how excited they were about him coming back and being on the floor with Beal again and the Wizards potentially having one of the best backcourts in the league. That's what he talked about throughout. Then when you get to the, to the part about the video, for example, Tommy did again say, yeah, they were disappointed by that. And But <laughs> what was fascinating is that he in a very kind of Tommy kind of way is that he said they were disappointed because it doesn't reflect the character that John Wall has. It doesn't reflect the person that John Wall has. And then he went on and started talking about how John gives back to the community with specifics, how John's a good father. And I mean, it was like this long talk about what a great person John Wall is. And again, it's like, you know, and Tommy was, yeah, disappointed to see Wall doing, making gang signs and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's disappointing because it's not really, it's not reflective of the kind of character that they think John Wall has. And so, 
like I say, I think it, you have to work really hard to get offended by what uh, Tommy said, actually said within the context of that entire 30 minutes. If you, for example, had somebody who has an agenda who brings you selectively a couple of quotes, yeah, sure. But I think, again, you, if, if John Wall, for whatever reason, was listening to this, I would encourage him to actually go and listen for himself to what Tommy said. Oh, yeah. John Wall, huge uh, Kevin Broom, Ben Becker yeah. podcast listener. Yeah. I'm sure it's like, I'm sure, I'm sure he's subscribed to whatever. Yeah. Our and then I, I mean, I, again, I called. think th- there's also a very much a quality of the things that Tommy said that were very much like in the category of humans breathe air. No, really, we do. We breathe air. We breathe it in and out. And that's how we live by breathing air. You know, it's, it's like, these are all really obvious things. Of course, they're building around Beal. He's, he's their, one of their, you know, he's their best player. He's been carrying the team for the last couple of seasons. You know, I mean, it's like, of course they are. Right. And of course there are questions about wall. He's coming back from three seasons of dealing with serious injuries, you know, and he's 30. And of, of course there, there are questions about him, but there was nothing that he said there that was particularly incendiary. Now with the trade talks story, again, it's like one of those things where you, you have to work really hard to get offended by, you know, Houston called up and said, Hey, we would love to trade you Russell Westbrook for John wall. Can you also give us three first round picks? And Tommy's well, what would you say about no first round picks and just even up? And you're like, nah, we wouldn't do that. I said, well, okay. What, what would you think about this other trade? And then what do you think is going on around the league? I mean, it's a conversation, right? And it, nothing came of it. So What's what's the big deal? Here's the other thing. It's, it's a business and trade. Here's the other all thing the that I was uh, that I was DMing with Twitter nerd yeah. Osman Big about John Wall yeah. is thirty. Okay. So so that's part of why like the disappointment about the gang signs thing and why even though some people could very much like see that like the spades playing during the interview thing was funny and wasn't a big deal at all um and the interview got sprung on him at the last second or whatever like mm-hmm. he's 30 he has two kids he's also been in the league for like yeah. a decade right so the 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 notion that he would be i i, I am i'm surprised i i well, i want to be surprised at the fact that he would be thrown to hear that his name had come up in yeah in especially as connected like, he, he's yeah. been around for a decade everyone's name and comes up in he is talks. so deeply connected like, to basketball and to you know to all levels of basketball i mean he's one of those guys who shows up at the at the mystics games he goes to he he'll show yeah. up at high school games you know he he goes to basketball. He loves the game and he shows up all the time. He's so deeply connected. You know that he's, he's out there reading the trade rumors just, just like the rest of us. And so it's like he, he's, he's, a, he's a basketball junkie and it's just like 
I'm with you there. I, it's just, it's puzzling to me unless there's like much more going on. And it could be that he's, he felt, he feels like he's put up with a lot from this organization over that decade that he's been in the league and that seeing the trade, you know, trade stuff coming up and that it was just kind of last straw for him. But I, I think you kind of need to really work Look, I, to, I mean, to get mad enough to request a trade over the, the things that are being cited as reasons he wants the trade. Well, look, I, I saw I, I saw a lot of that on Twitter, which is to say, you know, he's been loyal. You know, this is a trash yep. organization. It's been a trash organization for the time he's been here. He's been loyal and and this is how they repay them. And to which I'm thinking, like, uh, they gave him a freaking yeah. Supermax contract that he that, that he never deserved. And and by the way, let's say he did deserve it. Um, he has their ROI on that contract zero. has been basically, yeah. you know, zero. So so, it, you know, you'd hope that he that he would think man um that sucks that uh that that they'd think about trading me but mm-hmm. i get it you know i haven't been able to, to to give them what what we had all hoped um but you know i'm just going to go yeah. do my job here's the other thing um let's let's say wall really wants out, right? Let's say wall just has had enough with Ted Leonsis or maybe he and Bradley Beal, d- despite their pleas to the contrary, r- you know, uh, I mean, really David don't like each other or maybe that, he's so. just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw DA's thing. And by the, and I love Aldridge. Like, you know, I grew up here. I love Aldridge. And I, I do have a problem with a journalist writing even though you know they cite to the contrary that um, that they don't have a problem with each other and in fact they're brothers and all this stuff, don't believe it. They're they really don't like each other. I I, I have a problem with that unless you are going to cite a source right. or some evidence. Um, I I actually think that that's that's kind of shitty. But um, that aside, I I think that. Um, if John wants out and, and, and Lord knows that, um, you know, you, you hook the wizards up to a lie detector and, um, you know, Tommy Shepard, Ken Leonsis, they would love to get off that contract. There is, there is one, you know, solidary, there, there is one way to, to get him out of town. And that is, for him to get on the floor and show that he good enough that someone can stomach trading mm-hmm. for his contract, right? That, that like everyone's interests are aligned there. Um, but, but if who is possibly going to trade for John wall when he hasn't played in two years, when he hasn't been healthy for a full season in three, when, um, you know, when he has three years and $133 million left on his contract. And by the way, there aren't that many open point yeah. guard jobs right now. Like, uh, you know, maybe Orlando, uh, maybe Houston, if they mm-hmm. flip him for Westbrook, um, 
you know, maybe the Knicks, although they're showing uncharacteristic restraint, like there just aren't that many teams who you look at their roster and don't immediately go, oh, no, absolutely, they're not going to take a ball-dominant point guard. So if you're going to get Wall to one of those teams, if Wall's going to get himself to one of those teams, he's got to get on the floor and and show that he's yeah. healthy and good. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, otherwise, of course, the Wizards are either, one, adding a bunch of assets, or two, they are taking back somebody else's you know, dented cans, so to speak. So, for example, like you could imagine him getting traded to Detroit for, say, Blake Griffin. You know, Griffin, he's got a year less on his contract. He's older and he's been injured as well. And so you kind of see that. Plus, the the Pistons have added every free agent center and power forward in in existence. Did the Knicks front office from last year just go to Detroit? But yeah, that by the way is Troy Weaver that um that that fans have been pining yeah. over for um a decade plus because he's he's from the area and he worked in Oklahoma yeah. City. You know, this is one of those things about like it always makes me chuckle when people pine for specific executives that they've never you know <laughs> met probably couldn't pick out of a lineup and have never actually seen them uh, right. be in it's, charge. What so advice sort of like, did they get? Yeah, I think it's great that Troy Weaver's from here, but, um, you know, uh, so, and by the way, the thing on, and, and you look at the Blake Griffin thing and you say, okay, could that make sense? Well, if you're Detroit, they just drafted what they probably think is their point guard of the future with the seventh overall pick in Killian Hayes. Do you really want to then bring in a, a guy who um, sees, you know, a, a former all-star who's trying to get back to that level, who, um, right. you know, who sees himself as one of the best players in the league, et cetera. Is, is that really the best? Um, do you really want to go out and trade for a guy who with this trade request is sort of highlighting how thin skinned and petty he can be, you know, it's like, I mean, if I'm a general manager, do I really want to bring in a guy who gets offended because a a coach talks up? I mean, not a coach, uh, the general manager praises one of his teammates, his, his best teammate and a guy who's been out there killing it. A guy that, you know, is that what I want? Do I want a guy who gets offended when he's injured and a teammate says that was a team win and, you know, it gets offended when uh, a teammate says, hey, we have an everybody eats offense. Is that really what you want to bring into your team well, at that so price here's the thing. and over the next three years? Yeah, well, you know, there's in the new age of the NBA, there's there's the um, there's trade requests and then there's trade me to a contender or to this specific team requests. And it's just like, uh, you know, John wall may not know this and he may not have anyone in his, you know, uh, rich Paul may not have told him, but like John wall is not in a position to choose his destination and no one who is likely, who is likely on his preferred destination list 
well, would have the interest or ability to, to, to trade for John Wall. Yeah. So, so, you know, so you look at the Detroit scenario and by the way, like it's no small thing that Blake Griffin has a, um, his contract runs a year shorter, you know, yeah. uh, you know, trying to, to project uh, what the, what kind of player John Wall might be like for that last year when he's making, you know, $47 million or whatever the number is, mm-hmm. it's not pretty. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things where um, I think Wall and the Wizards in all likelihood are stuck with each other yeah. because I don't think, um, you, you know, for, for all of the things that are frustrating about, uh, for all the frustrations I might have with, with, Ted Leonsis and Tommy Shepard and the way the organization runs, I don't think that they are at all in the business of giving up assets to get off of contracts. Like they, I, I do think they understand that they're, they need to continue to collect assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I just, I, I don't see the trade out there unless, you know, unless uh, Houston, decides okay we'll make it an even flip or give us a second round pick or something like that um and you know that would be upsetting emotionally because um because i've loved rooting for john wall Mm -hmm. and i don't particularly enjoy watching uh westbrook play um even though i recognize there are some things about him that are uh that are remarkable Mm -hmm. I, I'd I'd kind of like to see John Wall with 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 uh, this Bradley Beal and with Bertans and with um, Thomas Bryan a little better and yeah. um, I'd I'd, I'd kind of like to see that and so you know th- this is where um, this is where Tommy can earn his money right because he's supposedly legendary from a relationship standpoint and he's going to have the opportunity really soon to get in a room with. Mm-hmm. John and Ted and maybe Brad and whomever. And, and he's going to, you know, have to um, smooth this over in one way or the other. Um, and, and, and show that, um, that he's the right man for the job from that perspective. Yeah. See, so I know Tommy a little, I've talked to him, uh, you know, off and on over the years back when he was a lowly vice president and I could talk to him, but, so he, here's the thing with, with, with Tommy is one, like the people skills are there. And two, he is both transparent and honest in the sense that he will share with you what he thinks and he will, um, he, he, Shoot I, you straight. yeah, as far as I know, he's, he's never lied to me. Um, I've gone to him with like various rumors and stories that I've heard and he has confirmed some for me he said that that's true. Um, that kind of thing. And in other cases, he's told me that it's not true. And in no case has anything he said, like have the results of whatever the rumor was been contrary to what he told me. So, and I've had a lot of different conversations. We've disagreed on many different things, but he was always straight with me. So that's a, a definite plus in, in Tommy Shepard's uh, category. Now, the thing is, is t- Tommy has visited John you know, what did he say on Zach Lowe several times yep. in the off season and knowing Tommy and the way that he talks and the way that he thinks I would be, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that there were no conversations at all about 
you know, that, that were very different from what Tommy said on Zach Lowe's podcast. You see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. Tommy doesn't like go and say to Wall, yeah, we're building around you. You're our guy. You know, you're the, 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 the linchpin. He's, he's not going to do a bunch of puffery and then go out in public and say something different than that. So what he said on Zach Lowe's podcast is probably pretty similar to what he said. Again, this is based on my experience with, with Tommy. He doesn't like say one thing to one audience and something completely different somewhere else. And so, and he doesn't also really get into the whole idea of sending messages publicly, you know, using the media to talk to players, that kind of thing. When he has an issue um, at least from the things that he has said to me, he, he talks to the player directly, uh, talks to the coach directly, talks to the executive directly. You know, when he had issues with things that I wrote, he spoke to me directly. So, yeah. it, you know, um, it's, it's, th- th- there's something, there's, there's stuff about this that just still doesn't make much sense to me. And uh, well, and that's why I say like, w- I'm, I guarantee you that there's stuff that we don't know. We sure. just don't know what that is. And we don't know if we know uh, 80% of the story or 10% of the yeah. story. Um, but, but my point stands that I, I believe everyone's best path forward because of what the market is for wall. Everyone's best path forward, excuse me, is to, um, is to get past this and figure out how to get on the court and do as well as possible. Mm-hmm. And Tommy's job is going to, is, is going to be to convince everyone of that. And, um, uh, or, you know, to pull a rabbit out of his hat and, um, hmm. you know, uh, yeah, well, do some. So my, my prediction on this is, uh, is that Tommy w- will do, you know, essentially what you're talking about in, in that he will basically pull, get wall, get a meeting with wall, whether it's by zoom or whether it's actually in a room, socially distanced with masks and um, <laughs> that he will essentially tell him that it's like, look, if you want out, we, we, we will find uh, find a way for you to get out. So, but you know, here's all I'm, here's what I meant by what I said. You're still important to the franchise. You're still, we still think of you as one of our key guys. We are still excited about getting you back on the floor. And the best thing is, you know, to what you were saying is for you to get out there, show people what you can do. And if we get to, you know, January 15th or, you know, February 1st, and you still want out, and you're, you know, then let's talk and we will find you a new home. We will, we will find a way to make, to, to trade you. And, um, but until then, we expect you to come in and be professional to, to lead this team and to do everything you can to help us win. And I think that that's where that's, that's going to be that the wizard's position of like, it. I, I, I straightened up in my chair when you said that. That was like the most dad voice around the kitchen table. Like one of your kids just brought home a shitty report card. And I was like, okay, Kevin, I promise I'll try my hardest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, Tommy's, so, Tommy having seven kids has good dad voice. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, so, 
speaking of getting on the floor and doing their best, mm-hmm. you know, this is just where the, the the podcast that we recorded that that never got released because it got eaten by the VCR was about the you know the pick a lane piece that I I wrote for Bullets Forever. Yeah, it was an eight track, by and, the way. And, and this is this is where um, this is where my frustration is just boiled over, and, and and I don't think I speak for myself in this respect. That um, you know, on on Lowe's podcast, and you know, Tommy was very open about the fact that they understand that they're on the clock with Beal. Yeah. You know, Beal's talked about the fact that like, hey, I want to be here forever, but. I'm also a realist and if things don't get better um, then I'm going to have to start to look at my options. Yeah. They are on the clock with Beal. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah. like how does Robin Lopez lengthen well, that clock for you? Well, and, and, and this is what my tweet said to that effect is that they basically took the team that was 25 and 47 last year mm-hmm. and they have added a 19 year old who, you know, we all can agree is not Zion Williamson. And if you, and, and, and if you look at the um, history of what 19 year old rookies contribute, I think we can all say that we we can agree that even if um, he has a a great potential career trajectory, they they shouldn't expect much from him this year. Um, and so they added a 19-year-old. They added uh, Anthony Gill, who's you know could be a sneaky signing, but you know at the margins, he's going to. Uh, I, I think at best he's likely to be like a third center, break glass in case uh, of emergency kind of guy. I mean, I I would hope not a center because he's six eight, but um, but no. you know that's a that's. I think he's a, a he's another a, a four five, but it's the point still right. is he's a stretch right. whatever but he is stretch front court. He, he he's a stretch whatever. So they added a nineteen year old, a stretch whatever, um, uh, replaced Napier with Neto, and are bringing back now a disgruntled John Wall, and it's sort of like. How how is this team conceivably any better than mediocre? You know, it's like everything, even if everything breaks right, which a you know it won't. it's the Wizards, so <laughs> it won't. But but um, even if everything breaks right, there's just not like uh, there's just not that much talent on this team. Yeah. And so if you're going to be unwilling to make the short-term sacrifices in order to add talent to the team, you know, namely trading guys who are years away. Um, then, then why are they messing around with Beal now? Why are they waiting for the inevitable, um, it, you know, uh, trade request and all of the negative media that's going to come with that? I, I mean, it, shit. If you think Friday night was bad with the wall trade request, imagine what the, the media coverage um, and the social media is going to be like around this team. Once, once Woj tweets that, um, that Beal has requested a trade. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, So, so either, and, and and this is, it's just so frustrating. It's like, man, you know, uh, uh, Rui Hachimura, I know people think he's going to be great. I'm fairly confident he's not. 
Um, and, uh, you know, now they have him, Advia, uh, uh, Bertans, um, you know, we're all roughly the same size. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, it just doesn't really make sense. So, um, so let me so, see if I, cause I, I have spent some time cause especially when it comes to the NBA, right. And having followed the wizards since 1978, that I, um, I try to figure out or make sense of what doesn't make sense to me. I try to figure out what they're thinking. So here's what I think they could be thinking. And that is one, I think they, um, their evaluation of Beal is probably a lot higher than say mine or yours would be. In other words, I think that they view him as one of the like top eight, 10 players in the league. I think he's closer to like, you know, 20, 20 to, to like 25, somewhere in there. So mm-hmm. I think that, and I think they also had an evaluation on wall that was higher than, than we would have. In other words, again, I think that they viewed him as a top eight, 10 player in the league when he was more like, you know, 20 to the 25, you know, that's mm-hmm. that same sort of thing. So that's one, two, I think that they are, banking on slash hoping for considerable improvement from some of their young players, specifically like Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, uh, Rui Hachimura, Bonga. They're hoping all of those guys take a significant step up next season because they've had their year of experience playing a lot of minutes. They, you know, they're maturing physically. They've, they, they're no longer, you know, rookies. They're all, they all have actual NBA experience. So I think that that's something that they're looking at as a potential significant potential for growth. And um, I think in the front court that they are probably going to, I think that what they're going to be doing is moving away from the idea of having a power forward and a small forward. And just like they're going to sort of start shifting away, at least in some respects from a point guard shooting guard set up and just go with guards and forwards. So we will see Hachimura and Bertans on the floor together. Please tell me, pl- I, I, I'm, I am begging you to tell me that Eddie Jordan figures into this. <laughs> well, that would be great. Right. But no, um, I, I mean, and I, I, I think, think there's a limit. People, I, think there's I, a, I think maybe one or two people got that reference. Yeah. Um, and I don't care. Yeah. Um, I think probably all four of our listeners likely, uh, yeah. likely heard that, got that reference. But I think the point being that they're going to play Hachimura and, and Bertans together, even though neither of them how is good like... Would, how good would Thomas Bryant have been as the center in, in, the, in Eddie Jordan's offense? Oh. Because after, after setting that, like when Haywood used to set that screen for Arenas, mm-hmm. like um, he could have stepped out to, to three. Yeah. God. Yeah, Eddie would have. Um, that would have been fun. Eddie would have loved playing him. I mean, could you imagine though the defense with uh, Thomas Bryant and Antoine Jameson on the floor together? I, I actually can because I watched the Wizards last year, Kevin. <laughs> I really can. Look, they and- they didn't. Well, actually, I was about to say they didn't have anybody as bad defensively, but uh, Hachimura was pretty pretty awful defensively. So, 
Well, and that's the thing is that Tommy was like, uh, look, we were really good on offense last year, and we think we're going to be really good on offense this year. And so what we've got to do is shore up our defense. And they didn't make any moves that would convince you that that's the case. Well, because see, okay. <laughs> so my, my thinking on that is that, that a lot of what they're doing, a lot of what they can do to improve defensively would be to basically the same guys, but actually executing the defense. And I don't know how the coaches do that. That's, that's something that the coaches are going to have to figure out, but you know, I started actually tracking the defense again, you know, hand tracking defense during the bubble. And one of the things that just jumped off the page, off the screen, was how bad the Wizards defenders are, um, perimeter defenders are, at uh, following the force rules. And Tommy has referenced this in a couple of, of interviews where he talked about one of the biggest things they can do to help Thomas Bryant improve defensively is to actually follow the force rules, the perimeter defenders. the guards to do their job. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, because and so just to... Just, Oh, go ahead. I want to clarify this for, for people who may not um, who, who may not understand exactly what you're saying, but basically, like a, a defense, a defense's force rules are just that. It's saying that we are going to force the ball to certain places on the floor, mm -hmm. and so it, if you execute that, you can make uh, the job for the interior defenders a lot easier. And if you don't, you can make it a lot. You know, you can put them in impossible positions because. All of the data shows that the best defenses um, force offenses to uh, take difficult shots and um, and forces misses and and rebounds. Them. Right, that's what the best defenses. Right. Are. So and and so the Wizards are really bad at that. Yes. And so just to like go slightly more, it's this is the basic defensive set or basic defensive system that like the Spurs ran forever with Tim Duncan to have the number one defense every year, and it's the same basic system that you know virtually everybody in the nba tries to run except for like when eddie jordan was coaching the wizards and then they had different force rules for like every possession but basically every team is trying to force the ball to the sideline and then um to the baseline so every the idea is that especially with the new rule with the you know hand new rules yeah right with the hand you can't hand check on the perimeter right so it's going to be very difficult for perimeter defenders to stop penetration completely. It's just ball handlers are too good, especially since they don't call carry anymore. You know, it's, it's like the, the offensive player has a big advantage. So, but the defender by moving his feet and getting his body in position can direct penetration. And the idea is that you want to send penetration baseline because then the big man knows where to help. He, he's, he's expecting. He doesn't have to just like react and guess and cover a lot of distance. And then the big man, the idea is that the big man is going to be there. And you try to force that shot to come over the big man because taller players lower opponent field goal percentage more than the smaller players do. So that's, that's basically the whole thing. So if you, if you just want to watch the game and see if the team is following the rules, it's like, look how often players are driving middle on, on perimeter defenders and in, in the bubble, especially because I was really paying attention to it there. Cause I was tracking it. The players drove anywhere they wanted, anytime they wanted. Um, you know, the other consideration sometimes for teams in force rules is, you know, once you get down into like the nitty gritty of the, 
of the scouting report. And like, if a player is bad driving to his left, you want to drive him left, right? Um, you, you want to take away a strong hand. So occasionally you might want to force a guy middle um, if it's going to his weak hand. But I got to say that the, uh, again, in the bubble, players were driving middle to their strong hand. They were driving baseline to their strong hand. They were literally doing anything they wanted. And the perimeter defenders were just, were doing absolutely nothing to um, limit it. And that, and that makes it just really difficult for any big man to be effective. As, now as a the help optimist's defender. view on this is the, the wizards didn't play in the bubble with most of their starters, right? John Wall didn't play, you know, John, Brad, Berton. So it's like, okay, if, if, if if you want to squint yourself into optimism here you say well brad's defense was hellacious last year but brad's defense was hellacious last year because he had to take on such a huge offensive burden and so he just he just stopped trying on defense and conserving it yeah well so just pausing that just for a second because even a little more of a ray of hope is that um in the defense part of ppa especially wall i mean wall geez Beal's defense improved significantly after he missed All-Star. So he he huh. put forth a And some of that probably coincides with um, Isaiah Thomas not being on the team anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I got to say that, you know, I've we've talked about this off, off air and I've written about this several times, but Thomas, I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas was just a wrecking ball to the defense, especially to the young bigs. Um, you know, Thomas Bryant, when, you know, we're, we're talking about like a 14 point per hundred possession difference when uh, Bryant was on the floor without Isaiah Thomas. The, the, well, and, and, and now you're pissing me off again because I'm thinking about free agency and about the fact that like they, um, uh, they didn't take a shot at Chris Dunn or um, Shaquille Harrison or, or like a very, um, uh, impactful perimeter defender, even though, yes, they, um, they are uh, cruddy offensive players um, that I, I, I think it, it makes more sense to take a shot with someone like that than, um, than a Robin Lopez. Um, especially since we know that like, you're going to have to limit walls minutes um you know, he's, he's going to play, I don't know, 28, 30 minutes a game mm-hmm. now, maybe 32, but, but not what he did. And it's like, um, we know Chris Dunn's a superior defender. Yeah. He sucks on offense, but the rest of the, the but, but you have the, uh, the potential ability to put him on the floor with four other guys who are good. At right. Offense. I mean, he's so, not going to be that um, much worse on offense than say Bongo was. Yeah. Um, so so I don't know. Um, now, I will say this. that I think like with Lopez, just to like loop back all the way to the beginning, w- one potential benefit from signing Lopez will be if he like rides Thomas Bryant on boxing out defensively. You know, that's, that's not been a strength of, of Bryant's. So if Bryant can get his box out percentage up to say, you know, like to, to Robin Lopez levels, then, you know, he, that, that might be worth the money long term. And even if it costs them a few Let, wins, let's make something. Let's make something crystal clear. I love so, so. 
I can't believe we haven't talked about this. So Friday night, the on on Twitter, that the greatest moment and probably the greatest tweet in Wizards history was Robin Lopez's first tweet after the signing had been announced, tweeting the Donald Glover carrying pizza boxes into a flaming apartment um, uh, gif, um, just like while Wizards Twitter is literally a flame yes. um, o- o- with the wall news. Like, I, I love Robin Lopez. He's, I mean, he's hilarious. He's got an amazing dry sense yeah. of humor. Um, and, and he is in a long line. Uh, he's carrying the torch in a long line of uh, very likable um, guys, um, often big guys, whose, uh, wh- whose main crime is taking the um, outsized uh, financial offer that, okay. that the Wizards yeah. gave to them. Right. So I, I have nothing against Robin Lopez. I really like Robin Lopez. And, and I think it'll be fun to root for him and to have him on the team. Just not um, how uh, how I would have liked. It, it seems like they um, could have gotten him for less and spent that money on a, an, a, an actual upgrade to their roster. Yeah. I mean, when you look at when you look at the quality of the guys who got the mid-level for either one plus one or two guaranteed years or three years. When you look at um, when you look at the the guys like Dunn, you know, who got five million, Noel got five million. It's just it, it's pretty obvious that they could have um, that that they could have done something more effective with that money, but um, they yeah. didn't, and um, and. Uh, that leaves us where we are. The, the training camp in the season is not that far away. And um, I'm. it's going to be very interesting to see what happens between now and yeah. the season. And, and, I, and I'm super excited. Uh, you know, I, I'm just excited to see John Wall play again in an actual NBA game. Like I, um, the, all of the, the, the stuff that he said while Beal was, um, was growing into this offensive star about how, you know, he's going to move more and he's going to cut more and he's healthy. So he doesn't have bone spurs mm-hmm. anymore. And he can, you know, you can imagine how great that could be. I, I, I hope we get to see that. I, I know you're, um, you're, you're more um, skeptical of what the overall, well, so, uh, I wouldn't even say more skeptical. You're just skeptical of what the overall production right. is going to look like. But, but here's the thing is I, but, I think that if, uh, I mean, I think one that, that if wall can come back as like, you know, he, when his peak was a 165 PPA, which is quite good. Uh, third team all NBA um, that year. So, I, I mean, I really think it's like, if he's healthy and all this kind of stuff that he, there's a pretty good chance he comes back like better than he was when he, when he stepped out for the the heel surgery, right? Because he was, right. he was definitely injured. He was in a lot of pain and, you know, he had missed some, some time and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a good chance, like say he comes back at like a 135 PPA or even like 130, yeah. 135, somewhere in there. And, and he is playing better defense than anything they got at point guard last year. And He's setting team teammates up like he's feeding guys like Davis Bertans. He's maybe shooting a little bit less. 
um, than he did in the past and maybe just focusing more on threes and, and, and getting to the bucket. Cause he's not, not a bad three point shooter at this point in his, in his career. And by the way, that's something that, that came out in those, uh, you know, in the, in the Remy run videos and that Tommy talked about also, and all the footage that he's seen of him, like his shot does <laughs> look better. Um, it, it, it does look smoother and less hitchy mm-hmm. and, so and so, um, but I mean, if he comes back like that he, and Beal plays as well as he could, and and you get the the progress from the players and stuff like that, it's like I can certainly see a very plausible way that the Wizards could get to like you know forty six, forty eight wins somewhere in there, and you know at least be a painful out for somebody in the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs. You know, well, goddamn you! Now you're like getting me optimistic yeah. again. Like if 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 they. Dude, if they win 48 games, because and, – and, and Lowe said this, and I mean, the, the frustration with the Wizards over the years is that they, they haven't – you know, they'll, they'll beat elite teams and then they'll lose to the Hornets on a mm-hmm. Tuesday kind of thing. Like, they're, they just were never like a bring-it-every-night team. But, but they, they have not laid eggs right. in the playoffs. Um, and, and, you know, if they win 48 games and are in an entertaining first round series that they have a chance mm-hmm. to win, I'd freaking take yeah. that, man. I'd take that and um, I'd probably eat a lot of crow. Um, yeah. And, and and you never know, maybe, maybe Hachimura or Denny bust out and are better than their timeline would predict them to be. And, and we're having conversations like we did during their their when we when we started podcasting during their winning streak in uh in 17 18 um wouldn't that be nice don't 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 we um don't we all deserve the city certainly deserves it um and uh and wizards fans deserve it so so uh that that's something nice to uh to imagine and hope for i guess